Great, thank you very much. Let's have a big cheer for our awesome band this morning. They're brilliant. We love them all. They get here early. They set all this stuff up. They've practiced throughout the week. Thank you so much, guys, for playing and bringing us into God's presence this morning. So if you are visiting us this week, if you weren't here last week, Um, This is the second week in a four-parter that we're doing here where we are looking at the songs from The Greatest Showman. Okay, more excitement. The songs from The Greatest Showman. Yes, that's more what I'm looking for. So this is this movie that seized and captured the hearts of people almost slightly to the surprise of all the critics. Those of you who follow like the movie critics and stuff will know that when it first came out, it They didn't think that much of it. There's this um, website called Rotten Tomatoes things where people vote on movies. And The Greatest Showman got 56% in its first cut. I know, I know. But then something amazing happened. Because it turns out whatever the critics say, they don't have the final word. Because everyone started to watch it and people loved it. And what we're looking at in this series is what is it about this movie that captured the hearts and minds of so many people? And this morning, we're looking at probably most people's favourite song from the film, I think. Even just this morning, several people have said to me, oh, it's my favourite song, that one. I would like to say it was my favourite until I spent the whole week writing a sermon on it, and it's been stuck in my head now for seven consecutive days. After today, I'm not going to play it for just a few days, just to get a break, but it is a good song. And it is, of course, the song, This Is Me. How many people, it's your favourite song from the movie, yeah? Yeah, several of you. Even if you've not seen this film... You would be hard-pressed to have missed this song because it was everywhere. It is everywhere, frankly. The song touched a massive nerve. Just like the film did, it captured people's hearts. And, and it kind of went everywhere. It won Best Original Song Award at the 2018 Golden Globes. It charted within the top five in the UK. I think it got to three. The top 10 in Australia, Ireland, Malaysia, South Korea. Top 20 in Belgium, New Zealand. Top 40 in the US. It captured something. Why? What is it about? Very quick background if you've not seen the movie, which is, of course, about this circus that gets put together of people who are the misfits, the curiosities of life. And this circus that's put together from these people performing. And this song comes in at a point in the movie where there is a glitzy reception, a dinner, a a drinks reception thing happening, where all of the high and mighty of local society are invited. And the curiosities, the misfits who are the key, the core of this circus, come along all dressed up, ready to go. But the doors are closed on them. They're not allowed in because they don't represent the image that they're trying to portray in this glitzy reception, so they're not allowed in. And this is the song. It's sung by one of the main characters, Letty, who is the bearded lady in the film, if you've seen it. And, and it's this song from the heart about what do you do when you don't fit in, when you don't measure up, when you're not good enough. And I am going to play it to you uh, so that you get to hear the whole song. But yet people are eager. I know I'm holding you back. I'm holding you back. I will play it in a minute. But I'm actually not going to play the version from the movie. I know. 
I know, Matt goes away and I throw out all the rules. You can tell him when he gets back. No, what I want to play to you is an amazing version of the song. And it's actually the first time it was ever sung and performed in public. And it's performed by the singer Kiala Settle, who plays Letty Lutz in the movie. And what they're doing is they're actually pitching to a funding panel to get the funding for the movie. And as part of that pitch, they perform this song because they always knew it was going to be like the anthem song of the movie. And what you see in this, and this clip opens with a little interview between the director of the movie and Kiala, the singer, just talking a little bit about what happened. But what you see in this clip is, is just one example of how much this song means to someone, to Kiala, who sings it. And you see the power and the significance of this song to some people. And you catch, I think, something of, of why it really did capture people's hearts. So let, let's play the, play the clip, Gary. Let's hear the song. Benj and Justin have just written this new song called This Is Me. And uh, we knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before. And no one had heard Kiala sing it live. Like Kiala, who... I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out because this is your moment and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing and you've got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation. There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. It was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we filmed it. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say. It's been a lot of broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. This is 
Yeah. So um, that, that clip that then went viral on YouTube has now had over 40 million views. Yeah, so it's really caught something. And you can see on it that this, this song is more than just a good song from a, a, a movie that people love. It's a song that really catches something in people's hearts about what they're feeling. It answers a need that's deep within them. And, it, and the emotion of it is so plain, not just in Kiala who's singing there, but in all the other people, even the people who are hearing it for the first time, they're like, yes, this is me. This has caught something. Look at the, listen to the words of it. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say. We don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. You know, this is a song for anyone who has ever felt like they're not good enough or that, that they fall short, that they just don't achieve all the things that they long to. They're just not quite there. Whether that's the things you long to be for your friends, your family, the people you love. Maybe it's against the measures of what the world says you should be like. You don't look good enough. You don't achieve good enough. You're just not quite hitting it. This song in a world that celebrates perfection and excellence where we we see the, the top few people who are doing the most amazing things, this is a song that says, what do you do when you don't measure up, when that isn't you? What do you do when you don't feel like you're good enough? The writer, this guy called Benj Pasek, it was written by two people, this is one of the writers, he said he wrote it for people who had lived in the shadows their whole lives and for the first time wanted to feel love and acceptance. And even when P.T. Barnum, that's the character in the movie who runs the circus, when he turns his back on them, they make a statement not only to him, but to themselves, that they declare to love themselves for the first time. So this song is a powerful message about defiant acceptance. No matter what you say, I will not hear that I'm not good enough. It's about self-love for whoever, whatever you are, whatever life is throwing at you, whatever your imperfections, whatever your weaknesses, however you fall short in spite of what culture says. It says, I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us. We are glorious. It's powerful. Whatever holds you back, whatever your scars, whatever your failings are, you can stand. That's what this song says. The Guardian called it the ultimate anthem for the identity politics era, where anyone and everyone should feel accepted and valued. But what I want to ask this morning is a question about the message, you know, I am braved, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be, this is me. And what I want to ask you this morning is, is self-love enough? In our culture, in our society, it's such a strong and powerful message, but is it enough? Or do we need something more? Do our hearts actually cry out for something greater than our own acceptance for who we are. That's what I want to ask this morning. And because we are in church, I want to say, what does the Bible have to say about this? 
So what I want to do is um, share with you a story that Jesus actually told. This is in one of the Gospels. It's in Luke's Gospel. If you want to follow with me, it's in Luke 18, but it will be on the screen if you're visiting or if you've not got a Bible with you. On the screen, I'm reading from the contemporary English version. So if you've got a different version, the words might be slightly different because the whole of the New Testament was actually written in the Greek language. So when we read it in English, we're reading a translation. But I'll read it with you. So Jesus told a story to some people who thought they were better than others and who looked down on everyone else. And this is the story. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood over by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not greedy, dishonest and unfaithful in marriage like other people. And I am really glad that I'm not like that tax collector over there. I go without eating two days a week and I give you a tenth of all I earn. The tax collector stood off at a distance and did not even think he was good enough to look up towards heaven. He was so sorry for what he'd done that he pounded his chest and prayed, God, have pity on me. I am such a sinner. Then Jesus said, when the two men went home, it was the tax collector and not the Pharisee who was pleasing to God. If you put yourself above others, you will be put down. But if you humble yourself, you will be honoured. So here's two really contrasting people. Here's two really contrasting attitudes to themselves, to how they viewed themselves, what they thought of themselves. There's this Pharisee. He's one of the religious leaders of the time. And he seems to have a pretty pretty good self-esteem. He thinks quite a lot of himself, doesn't he? He thinks he's pretty good. He's looking down at the other person saying, I'm really glad I'm not like that poor soul over there. And then we've got that poor soul over there, the tax collector. Now, this is a guy who in his time would have been pretty much hated by everyone. I mean, nobody's that keen on tax even now. But in those days, people who collected tax for the Romans were often corrupt. They often twisted the rules to make extra money for themselves. They were really unpopular. And we can see in this moment that how this guy feels about himself, um, that, that he's overwhelmed with a sense of not being good enough of falling short. Look at, look at specifically the words he says. It says that he was so sorry for what he'd done that he pounded his chest and prayed, God, have pity on me. I am such a sinner. And those of you who've, who've been coming for a little bit here will have heard me say before, that word that's translated in the New Testament as sin, when we think of sin, we think about doing bad things, particularly naughty things or evil things or whatever things that are wrong. Actually, that word that's translated as sin was a Greek word that comes from archery. And what it means when you've taken, uh, taken a shot with your bow and arrow is you've let go of the arrow and it's shot and it was, it was just going well, but it just fell short. It missed the mark. It dropped off before it hit the target. That's what that word means. So when he says, I am such a sinner, what he's saying is, I fall short. I miss the mark. I am just not good enough. It's not saying I've done this terrible thing so much as saying in general, I'm just aware that I'm not hitting where I want to be. He is painfully aware of his own failings and his limitations, of his difficulties, of his frailty and weakness. And the interesting question in the, the, the situation where we've just heard the song we've just heard is, is does it have that same anthem-like thing of self-love, like this is who I am? And no, 
It doesn't seem to. In fact, where it says he pounded his chest, that's a phrase that is usually used in the context of a funeral of mourning. When somebody has died, that's the type of anguish he's feeling. He's torn up by his weakness, by his failings. He's really gutted by it. And and look what Jesus says. It's, It's quite curious. Jesus says that when the two men went home, it was him, it was the tax collector, not the Pharisee, who was pleasing to God. He says, if you put yourself above others, you'll be put down. But if you humble yourself you will be honoured. Now, just let me be clear. When it says pleasing to God, that doesn't mean that God is pleased because this guy is miserable. That's not what it means at all. Literally, that phrase means that he was justified to God. He was restored in God's eyes. So that man, he came before God and all he could see in the moment was his own weaknesses and failings. But when God looks down on him, he sees something different. He sees him restored He sees a better version of who this guy is. That's what it means. But there is a difference in this this story compared to the song that we've just heard. And, And probably the main difference is this guy really wants to change. That's the message that we're hearing. He's come to God to ask for his help. There's not that same sort of anthemic declaring of this is me, this is who I'm meant to be. So how do we hold those two things together? What does that mean? And it's interesting because there are two real messages that come through that I want to highlight for you this morning. And one of them is this first one about the acceptance that this song portrays. And that is clearly a good thing, something that God would be on side with. It's a message that says, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your journey has been, you are worthy of love. It comes as a fight back against years of discrimination and difficulty for so many people who feel that they don't fit into society's ideals. It's a pushback against stereotypes and stigmatization that has held people down and limited them, that has made them feel unworthy and unlovable. But, like I say, I want to ask the question, is that self-love and acceptance, is it enough? Is there even a risk that if that's all we have, that it might even limit us? Because that acceptance becomes such a powerful message in our culture that, that it pushes out any space for us to grow out of our difficulty and limitation and the challenge that life has thrown at us, that we become so focused on our illness that we forget about wellness, so focused on our disability that we forget about our ability and everything that we still are and everything that we can be. Because the Bible is really clear. We are all broken. That's true. And in fact, it's not just that some of us, like in the story, there's one guy who thinks he is, one guy thinks he isn't. The Bible's really clear. We are all broken. We all fall short. There's a verse in a book called Romans that says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word sin, the same word. All have missed the mark and fallen short. Of, of the ideals that we would love to attain. None of us are perfect. And that's the agony of a message that says what you have to aim at is perfection. Because if you're aiming at perfection, you will almost definitely be disappointed. How many people here so far have had a 100% perfect day? 
It's very hard to achieve perfection. There's that old quote from uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, a slightly older movie for some of the older people in the room like me, that says there are no perfect people, only perfect intentions. Those of you who are, who are regulars here, have you ever heard the, the, the saying that if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll spoil it? No comments on that one. The thing is, life is fragile. Even if you do achieve that perfection, let's say everything goes really great for you and you are knocking out of the park in work, family, you've ticked everything off. Life is fragile. What do you happen if something goes wrong? What, what, what do you do if you lose that job or something hits your family? Illness, bereavement, something unexpected. What do you do? And let's go back to that story because the key to this story is what actually some, the, somebody's done wrong and it's not the tax collector. What's interesting in this story is what the Pharisee's doing and what he's really got wrong. So the Pharisee, he's this religious teacher from a sect who they think they're pretty impressive. They think they're above the other people. You can read that it says that he looks, he thinks he's better than himself and he looks down on other people. Obviously, that's bad. And he's got this pretty impressive perspective on himself. But if you look even before that, right at the beginning, at why Jesus told the story, you can see what this guy's really got wrong. Jesus told this story to some people, this is from a slightly different translation, that said that the people trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That means good enough. So where are these people who Jesus is talking to placing their trust? What are they building their life on? What are they depending on themselves? They are trusting purely 100% in their own brilliance, their own success, their own perfection. And that's the mistake that they're making. That's why Jesus tells the story. This isn't a story about self-esteem and self-love. It's a story about what do you build your life on? What are the reliable, the solid things in life? The Pharisee's big mistake is that he is trusting in his own strength. So if you notice, the reason he doesn't get forgiveness from God is because he doesn't actually ask for it. Go back and look. All he says is, I'm so glad that I'm so brilliant. He doesn't ask God for anything because he doesn't think he needs God. He thinks he's got it all figured out himself. What a contrast to the tax collector who's so aware of his weaknesses and his flaws and his failings that he says, God, I need you. Help me. I'm never, I can't do this, I'm not good enough. This is why God says that if you humble yourself, if you're aware that you haven't got it all figured out, then you turn to God and you look somewhere else, somewhere bigger and better than yourself for the answers. You build your life on something so much better. If you're aware of your own weakness, it turns you to God. This is um, a, a section from a letter written by a guy called Paul who wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament. And he's a guy who had a lot of regrets because he started his life out persecuting Christians until he had his own experience of God and it changed his whole life. And he says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? No, nothing can. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever life has thrown at you, you are accepted and valued by God. So we can say, yes, I am broken, I am limited, I am weak, but I am also okay. I am accepted by a God who loves me. We don't live under a God who condemns us 
for our weaknesses, our flaws, our failings. We, we worship a God who looks at you and says, you are okay, you're good enough, you're all good enough, whoever you are. This message of acceptance is one that the Bible speaks very strongly. But it says more than that, more than just that self-love, that acceptance, because what it says is when we turn our awareness of that and therefore turn to God, and ask him to help to work with us when we accept God as part of our life, something amazing happens. This is what the Bible says about human weakness. It says that God's power is made perfect through our weakness. So God's major impact on this earth isn't through the brilliant, amazing people who think they've got it all made. It is through everyday, normal, frail, weak, limited people like you and like me. That word weakness is the the same word again that means to fall short, to be frail, to be limited as human people. That's how God has his power. So God not only accepts us in our brokenness, he works through it. I've been reading this book this week by a lady called Barbara Glass, and she's a Methodist minister in Liverpool, does some amazing work in the community there. And she's written this book that's about survival. And she talks about the origins of the word to survive, which actually comes from Latin and, and ancient French. And those of you who know a bit of French will know that, that survivre means to live over something. And she contrasts it to what happens when we survivre something, which is French, to live under something. And she says this, she says, survivre, survival is not about pure survival, a desperate attempt to keep one's head above water, but rather speaks of a process of flourishing. It's about seeing the world differently and finding possibilities to live in a new way. It's a really important difference, isn't it? We are not called to live under our awareness of our limitations and our brokenness. We're called to live over it. Because of what God does through us, we can live in spite of it. We can hold our limitation, but at the same time see something else, something bigger, something better. Possibility. Because God chooses to work through us in spite of those things. This is more from Paul, that guy who wrote most of the New Testament. And this is a great passage that shows this so well. He's talking about their challenges, their struggles. He gave his life in the end to tell people about Jesus. And he encountered a lot of opposition. And this is where one section in one of the letters to Corinthians where he's talking about it. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. It means they're under pressure. Literally, it means they they can't see any options, any solutions. But... He says, we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We are challenged. We recognize our limitations, our failings, our flaws, and the difficulties of life. But there's that defiance that we recognize from this is me. We are not broken. I love that final phrase in that passage. It's one from sport. It's a sporting reference from Greek. And it means you're you're knocked down, but you're not out of the game. Literally, you're down, but not out. This is how the contemporary English version translates it. It says, in times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. Because of what God does, our weaknesses and our limitations doesn't define us. It doesn't limit us. It doesn't hold us back. It doesn't make us less in any way. 
It just opens up the possibilities of what God could do with us. When we get knocked down with God, we can find a way to get up again, to push back against the challenges of this world. As God flows through our humanity, we find strength released in our struggles, not weakness. Because it's coming from somewhere much greater, much better than us, we can find freedom in spite of the limitations that we know we live under. And that's the message of this song that so often we can miss, can get lost because our culture is so focused on this anthem of self-acceptance and self-love, we forget the second bit, the feisty bit, that says this, I know that I deserve your love because there's nothing I'm not worthy of. Speak that over yourself this morning from God, people. I know that I deserve your love because there's nothing I'm not worthy of. Whatever your life is throwing at you this morning, I, I don't know what it is, but we all feel limitation in some way. You know, you think, if you think some of us, the people who get to stand on this platform, you think we're like perfect, better people, I'm really sorry to disappoint you. Think again. We have made all kinds of mistakes and errors. We have all kinds of limitations and challenges, just like everybody else in this room. We are all in the same boat. So whatever life is throwing at you this morning, the nightmares of the past, the pain of the present, worries about the future, in God's world, this paradox is totally, totally possible. You can be at the same time weak, but not weakened. You can be struggling, but not out of the game. Broken, but still a hero, still triumphing, bogged down in troubles and rubbish and difficulty whether they're your own failings or just the things that life is throwing at you, but totally overcoming them through the God that flows through you. We turn to something greater than ourselves. And in our limitation, we don't get defined by it because we're defined by the God who flows through us and who chooses to work through people like you, people like me, to change the world. That's the message that we want to focus on. I love that verse that I put up already this morning. It's from Romans 8, if you want to look it up. It's Paul speaking again. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness? No, danger, sword? No. In all these things, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, in our world, in our culture, what we celebrate is the successes. We celebrate the heroes, the triumphs, and we celebrate them when all the messy bit is finished. And we celebrate the one, two people who make it through. But the Bible says something else. It says in the middle of your struggles, in the middle of your limitation and difficulty, in the middle of your awareness of how weak and flawed you are, you are already a hero. You are more than a conqueror through God who flows through you. Whoever you are as you sit here this morning, whatever your life has brought you, Whatever you've messed up with, whatever you've done wrong, whatever the things you know you will continue to mess up with, whatever you know you're not capable of, you are more than a conqueror this morning. Speak that over yourself. That's a bigger and a better message. Self-love isn't bad. Love yourself too, but speak something more over it because that's what God wants to say. Maybe you have done some things wrong. Maybe you've messed up this week. Maybe you've hurt someone you love. Maybe you're weak. Maybe you struggle. Maybe you struggle with anxiety or depression. 
Maybe you have a physical illness that limits you and you can't do all the things you would love to do. Maybe you lost a job that you really wanted to get. Maybe you failed some exams. Maybe your predictions for exams aren't as good as you'd like them to be. Maybe your relationship broke up or you did something stupid and had a huge fight with a friend. Maybe you didn't get a promotion. Maybe you let someone down. Maybe your marriage failed or you lost loads of money or you made some bad decisions. Maybe you're just not good enough by your own standards or maybe you just look at what the world says and says, I could never be enough to live up to that stuff. Through God and the message that he brings, you are not out of the game. You are the game. You are a main player in the game because in God's eyes, you're more than a conqueror. And the invitation this morning is to join God's army of imperfect people, of messed up, muddling folk, like all of us in here and me included, and change the world because that's how God has his influence. That's the message of this song. So speak that over yourself this morning. I know that I deserve your love because there's nothing I'm not worthy of. Let's just take a moment. You might want to close your eyes. God is here with us this morning. He wants to speak that over you. Do you know that you deserve God's love this morning? There is nothing you're not worthy of. He calls you to stand. You are not a spectator to this game because you weren't good enough to get picked for the team. You are a main player. He calls you to be part of his army this morning. So who's ready? Who's willing to stand up in a minute? I'm going to ask you to actually stand if this is you. To stand and say, yes, this is me. I am imperfect, I am messed up, I am bruised and I am broken, but I am in it, Lord. I want to fight as part of this army. I want to be part of your team. I am willing to give everything I have as an imperfect person to give my life to you to change the world. Because this is God's kingdom where everything gets turned upside down, the message of our world. Nobody becomes somebody. Weak becomes strong. Frail become the heroes Failure becomes possibility. And ultimately, because of what Jesus did, defeat becomes victory. So you may feel weak and bruised and broken this morning, but you can be strong. So as God speaks over you this morning, I want to ask you to stand if you're up for this with me. I'm already stood, but if I wasn't, I'd be standing up to say, I am broken, I am imperfect, I have made loads of mistakes, but God, use me. Why don't you stand with me now if you want to make that declaration this morning and say, I know that I deserve your love. There's nothing I'm not worthy of. And there may be some people in this room, I know we have some visitors this morning, for whom this is the first time you've said that, the first time you've heard a message of a God who accepts you in your brokenness to say, yes, I want to respond to that. If that's you this morning and this is the first time you've responded to something like this, just wave at me, stick your hand in the air so that I know that it's you and I can chat to you after the service. So if that's you or if you haven't yet stood and you know you need to, don't feel that you have to because lots of other people are, but stand with me now and make that declaration. Does anyone want to wave and catch my hand? It's quite dark out there. Great. 
Let's take a moment to pray and then we will uh, have some time to respond and sing with the band again. And I'm going to pray some more words for us, uh, which are from Romans 8, just a continuation of that verse. So Father God, we thank you for this message that you've brought to us this morning. We thank you so much for this message that we are good enough, that we are all worthy of your love. And we just declare these words from Romans 8 over all of us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father God, thank you so much for your love for us that is so much better than self-love, that offers us the opportunity to be more than conquerors. We stand for you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.